everyone, and welcome back to Crowning Around, a podcast where three regular everyday peasants attempt to learn about the royal family through their depictions on film and television. My name is Sam Chung, and I'm so in the zone right now, I would not even notice if a mouse just ran across the floor, and that's because I'm very excited to dive into today's episode. Uh, today we'll be talking all about The Crown Season 4, Episode 3, entitled Fairy Tale. It's a big Diana episode. They played both the songs that we use to come in and out of this podcast, uh, and so it's just going to be a great time. There's a lot to break down here, uh, so let's dive right in. Joining me, as always, are my two co-hosts. First, our resident culinary connoisseur, it's Ivan Vukovic. Ivan, a restaurant with only starters and desserts, uh, yay or nay? Uh, I mean, that just sounds like a tapas bar, right? A little bit, but I feel like they still make like small mains at a tapas bar, no? I, I think like starters that you build a meal around, that, that, that's what small mains are. Oh, I guess, <laughs> I guess you are the connoisseur. Um, so yay or nay, though? Uh, nay. <laughs> You're not a tapas person? I'm not a tapas person. And, and you and I are traveling to Madrid together soon, so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not looking forward to it, gotta be honest. Yeah, and your, your wife loves Mexican food, and I feel like tapas is like a staple. No, well, no, 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 no. That's Spanish. Tapas, but I feel like Mexican restaurants have tapas too. Eh, not really. Uh, It's more traditionally Spanish. Okay. You're going to get some ham. You really just like dug yourself a hole with that question, Sam. I did. Uh, Well, okay. But but we're nay on it, so we don't need to, (laughs) we can just go away. Uh, I feel like if the Cheesecake Factory had that format, they would actually do really well. What are you talking about? That it'd, it'd be an even larger menu because no, every- if they only had their appetizer section and their cheesecake section, I think it would do really well because you go to the Cheesecake Factory and you go and get like three appetizers and not get a main. Oh, I get a main at the Cheesecake Factory. I've actually never been to a Cheesecake Factory. What? Uh, but but, but I, I know about how like the menus are just, you know, like novels, but is their appetizer section of the menu also like pretty sprawling too? It I mean, could, it's like a page. It could be like a proper restaurant-sized menu in like a reasonable sense. Okay. But I don't it, think I would discount the mains. I I would make an offshoot. Like, you know how they have like those quick service versions of restaurants? I, that's what I do. Anyway, that's not important. <laughs> Keep going. But wait, hold episode. on. So if I, went, if I went to the Cheesecake Factory, like I could probably build a meal around like two appetizers and a cheesecake, right? Yes. Oh, absolutely. You could. So, so, you could so Diana, and, Diana and Camilla essentially went to the Cheesecake Factory. Yes. I'd say that. <laughs> I went to an upscale cheesecake factory. No, if you said that the cheesecake factory, it was like the bread and then the cheesecake. I feel like it'd be the bread, avocado, egg rolls, something else, and a cheesecake. Yeah. Okay, got it. Are they known for their bread? Yes, yeah. they are. They sell the bread like in grocery stores. How does it compare to like Olive Garden breadstick and Red Lobster Cheddar Bay biscuit rolls? I'd say it tastes more real than Olive Garden. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not asking about like authenticity. I'm just I, saying it's like it's a different kind they're, of bread. They're, 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 there's an addictive factor to like the, those breads. Those are like you know cult favorites. Like uh, yeah. so, how does it stack up? I think Olive Garden is a little bit more addictive. They put more salty chemicals in it. Yeah. Um, and I love it. <laughs> okay, it's still in the top okay. three, but it would be the third. Yeah, I've also never had. Did you say Red Lobster? Yeah, the Red Lobster Cheddar Bay biscuit rolls. 
I don't really go to Red Lobster, so I'm unfamiliar. So, so, so Red Lobster and Olive Garden are actually, <laughs> I think, owned by the same company, and they ha- basically have the similar concept for both. Like they give you just gratuitous amounts of these like different types of breads, and you fill up on that, and it kind of distracts from how mediocre the mains are. Well, next time I go to Red Lobster, I'll have to try it out. I don't really, I'm a vegetarian, so <laughs> there's a, not really much salad. Red Lobster. I, I, again, you you could have a meal just around these like Cheddar Bay biscuit rolls. In fact, like they actually, I think, sell uh, them at Costco, like to to make yourself like the flour. Yeah. And, and I've actually bought it a few times. They're great. Oh, okay. Should I bring some with me on our trip to Madrid? <laughs> I wouldn't be mad. <laughs> Can you imagine you guys just have like a Tupperware of those things running around at top of spot? What a tangent. Okay, also back with us today, a woman whose gestures reveal her. It's Carlin Greenwald. Carlin, in learning about public speaking, did you ever have your hands just like tied together? I kind of wish they'd done that because as an Italian, that is a problem. As an Italian, are Olive Garden breadsticks also a problem? I don't think so. I actually did once go to an Olive Garden with my Italian family after someone's funeral. So oh big sense. I know I've been to Olive Garden in normal circumstances too. It's pretty good. I, I think it's become really passe to just like dump on Olive Garden. Like you can have a good time there. I I love Olive Garden. I'm Olive Garden. in favor of most chain restaurants, to be honest. Honestly, so. yeah. Olive Garden and Cheesecake Factory, I think, right? <laughs> They're both right up there. Yeah. Yeah, I hated public speaking and like the, the thing where they would make you control your hands. Like, why are you judging me on that? When you're in a podium with a bunch of people, no one can even see your hands. Who cares? What was your favorite Olive Garden memory? <laughs> oh, no. Um, I just, after, uh, after tennis practice, sometimes we would just go and buy some breadsticks for the road. Oh, yeah, one of those. Yeah, because you can you can buy the breadsticks if you're not sitting down. I think it was like five dollars for a dozen breadsticks. I'm trying to remember the last time I went yeah. there that wasn't with like former friends from high school. Why, if there are former friends from high school there, is it a bad memory? <laughs> I mean, it's been tainted now. I guess those were good memories. Yeah, we used to go get the breadsticks, get that custom thing where you could like make custom pasta and then get a salad and breadsticks. Oh yeah, that was pretty good. Well, that was never ending possible, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, getting that. My wife yeah. loves a good uh, Olive Garden Italian margarita. Oh, never had that. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's like a Mexican tapa. <laughs> you know what? There was one year my mom got Olive Garden catering for Christmas. <laughs> like, Wait, she had a party what? with like 30 people and she got Olive Garden catered. That's kind of hilarious. It was great. That's actually a good idea. I love that. It was pretty great. That was one of her good years. My favorite Olive Garden memory uh, <laughs> was... I think this was like during the never ending uh, pasta bowl month, but uh, like my wife and I, we went and uh, we, we didn't get the pasta. We just had like the soup, salad, breadsticks, lunch, yeah. uh, which I actually think in itself was never ending. Uh, but, you know, we just each ordered like, you know, one one portion each of salad and soup and a couple of breadsticks. And we ate it and the waitress came around and asked us if we wanted more. And we were like... Oh no, you know that that actually hit the spot nicely. And she looked so surprised cuz like in her mind like why would anybody ever come to Olive Garden and get something that you can get unlimited amounts of and and not, you know, take advantage of that. And you know, I asked her like, "Oh, are we like, you know, the only ones that aren't getting more?" She's like, "Yeah, I mean, this time of year people show up and they they have straight up contests to see who can eat the most." <laughs> oh, god. oh god. Okay. Believe it or not, this is a crown podcast. <laughs> 
On that note, normally we have our disclaimer as always that we're not royal family experts and that, you know, if you came here because you want any sort of factual clarity about the royal family, uh, we don't know. So just roll with it. Um, Also, though, ahead of this episode, the episode itself that we watched, uh, season four, episode three, did have a disclaimer that the episode included scenes of an eating disorder, which some viewers may find troubling. And that if you wanted more information and resources, if you're struggling or you know someone struggling with an eating disorder, to go to www.wanttalkaboutit.com. So I feel like we'll obviously touch upon that in this episode as well. So I feel like we'll just kind of repeat that disclaimer here. And with that, I think we can dive in. Carlin, do you have a recap for us on The Crown episode 403, Fairy Tale? Yeah, I mean, there was a lot going on, so I'm going to try to get through this pretty succinctly. So basically we open with Charles talking to all his family members about what is his proposal that we kind of get to see, but don't really get to see. He, he kind of proposes in a, to be honest, pathetic manner in which he didn't get down on one knee. It was like a very weird sort of, he took her into like a nursery and he did propose and she did say yes. So wheels are now set in motion for Diana to begin what is, I guess, called princess training. Basically, it's suggested that Diana get her lessons from Elizabeth, and Elizabeth's like, nah, I'd be too nice. Let's have her grandmother do it to get all the protocol down. So basically, Diana has to leave her life with her friends and her flatmate, where like she had a pretty normal life and was, you know, kind of riding high off of this marriage proposal, like imagining a really good future. But she goes, she gets to move into Buckingham Palace and right away she starts getting the protocol wrong. She embarrasses herself at a some sort of social event with the relatives. Sort of all the magic from Balmoral has seemingly disappeared. Charles is sort of very awkwardly lukewarm during their engagement press. Like it's just, it's not going super well. And then he's like, yeah, I'm going to uh, on a six week tour And so then she has to basically live at Buckingham Palace alone for six weeks. And basically, she does not fare particularly well. She is beloved by the British people. She is getting letters all over the place. But that is kind of the only contact she's getting. Charles is not calling. Charles is not contacting her at all, in fact. She's not able to reach the queen. Her grandmother is like a drill sergeant being really mean with these protocol lessons. And so basically she is sort of dealing with the loneliness, the isolation, and also a an emergence or resurgence we don't really know of an eating disorder. It's very clear that she has suffers from bulimia. And so those are sort of like this very perfect storm of just she's not having a good time and Charles is obviously not helping. And basically, when this tour initially started, Charles asked if she wanted to go talk to Camilla, who is at this point interpreted as just an ex, to sort of talk about him. She finally does agree to go some point during her isolation from Charles. And basically, Camilla (laughs) makes it very clear that she knows so much more about Charles than Diana does. And she's also, Diana's also started to sort of get sense that maybe there is something going on. And Camilla kind of confirms it, whether that was on purpose or not, who knows. By She mentions the nicknames they have for each other, Fred and Gladys, and Diana had seen that on, I believe, a letter. And then she sees it in a bracelet, some sort of jewelry that Charles is having made for Camilla when Charles and Diana are about to get married. So she, Diana catches on, like there is a, there is an affair going on. And so Diana freaks out. She wants to call off the wedding, but it's, 
the point where the queen won't even answer the phone about that. So uh, Diana is kind of going into an even bigger spiral. And then Charles returns a day early and goes to Highgrove or says he's going to Highgrove. I think he goes to Highgrove and talks to Camilla. We don't really know what happens, but then basically during wedding rehearsals, Charles and Diana are back together. It's very cold. And Charles is basically like, no, I went to Highgrove to tell Camilla that it's over. He gives her some sort of special ring. And basically, Diana is clearly sort of on the fence. The wedding is looming. The olds of the royal family, so, you know, Philip, Liz, Queen Mother, Margaret, they all have a little conversation together. What are we going to do? Margaret's like, you guys are repeating the same mistake you've always had for generations. And Liz, and Philip's like, no. Diana will grow into this. It's fine. And so Elizabeth has to go talk to Charles and she basically tells him like, grow up. It's your duty. You can find love in that. Let's make it happen. And then the wedding ultimately, despite all these problems, does go through. And so now we have Princess Diana and Prince Charles. Yeah. What? I think an interesting episode. I wonder, is this really kind of like the first episode where kind of like the main storyline hasn't really focused on a royal Soon to be royal, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it, this was definitely, especially compared to last week, like a very scaled down episode. Like it, it really mostly followed around Diana, and it, you know, oftentimes felt very claustrophobic, where the sense of imprisonment that she was feeling at the palace and the fact that her life had just become very confined and very regimented. Uh, yeah, I, I think they did a good job, like driving that point home. Well, yeah, in the last episode, we didn't even talk about, like, the CGI deer. <laughs> like, what a weird CGI deer. I mean, they're not going to get a... I mean, could you... I guess you could probably train a real deer to look limp. To limp. I don't think you could train... Can you train any animal just to, like, oh, yeah, limp around? Uh, yeah, so I guess there might have been a practical issue. Yeah, for sure. It's just a deer puppet. <laughs> yes. I was going to say, right off the bat, I feel like we need to address, like, the biggest revelation of the episode. And I don't know if this was actually like audibly uh, uttered or, or it, it was only revealed through the closed captioning. And, and, you know, I, I watched these, uh, these episodes with subtitles turned on, but uh, Charles's private secretary is named a Dean. Yeah. It made me really confused about who is the like staff at this point. I assumed this was a, uh, maybe Michael Adine's son, Michael Adine jr. <laughs> I guess. Unless Michael Adeen was already a junior. Maybe, like, what if every servant is just named Michael Adeen? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, I, I thought that was just Michael Adeen, and I wasn't really paying attention to, like, how old anyone was, because, to be honest, this entire time, I have not kept track of who anyone was besides Tommy. Well, no, because, cause, like, because michael adine like retired off screen last season like there was an episode where uh, like philip like remarked like oh so glad that asshole adine is gone and now we've got a brand new edition yeah i don't know so wait who was can someone i'm sorry who is the guy talking to liz now uh, oh, that, that's, that's Martin. Martin. That's, oh, that's Martin. Martin. Oh, so Martin's still there. Yeah, Martin's still there. Okay, so Martin's Martin. still there. Mar- Martin's now like the senior private secretary to the queen, okay. but Charles has his own, and apparently it's it's Michael Adine the seventh. Sorry, right, I'm well. just also imagining like uh, you know the plot line in what we do in the shadows, where Colin Robinson like <laughs> expires as an energy vampire, and then a new Colin Robinson like emerges from the body of the old <laughs> Colin Robinson. Like that's I'm kind well of, aware. Yes, that's kind of what I imagine happened with Michael Adine. I guess so. <laughs> so we got we have a new Adine now. That's exciting. That is exciting. <laughs> yeah, I guess. 
This episode is interesting, I thought, because it kind of makes you go back and forth on, like, whether or not, like, how much is, like, if blame is the right word, but if, like, Diana could have escaped or, like, there were so many openings for her to just kind of, like, leave it, and then she didn't. We get, as you said, at one point, Diana really being, like, I can't do this. Uh, I have to leave this kind of, like, relationship. I can't be here in the castle. And then it doesn't take much for her to just kind of get reeled back in. I don't know. It was a weird way to position it. So so I have a, I have a question. So uh, the previous episode, uh, when Diana went home after Balmoral, she was being, uh, you know, hounded by the paparazzi. And, and we had made note of the fact that there was like this moment where she kind of seemed to be reveling in it. Like there was a little smirk. Um, and I think, you mm-hmm. know, at this point in time, she was still very enchanted by this new direction that her life was taking. Um, in this episode, uh, right after the proposal, she also goes home and there's like, a nearly identical scene of her like walking on the sidewalk being surrounded by paparazzi, right? Yes. They just want to hammer that home. Right, right. But I think in in this scene, we don't necessarily get that like same kind of like smug satisfied look, right? She she seems to be kind of like almost like the like the, there's some cracks in the foundation of, of the, her happiness already. Yeah, I mean, if you saw the way he proposed, that's that's understandable. <laughs> Did we really see the proposal? We kind of saw he just stood there kinda, in the nursery. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like I wish I would have seen him. more of it. No, I mean we saw we saw it because when he asked her uh, to to marry him, her her answer was yes, please. So Charles did it in the nursery. Uh, he did not kneel because he kneels for no one, <laughs> uh, only for the queen, and then everyone got mad at him. <laughs> Wait, I have a question. Like. In this context, what is a nursery? I think it's literally a room about in this castle that like is for babies. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And also, like in what, it, like in what context would they end up in the nursery? I, he chose that room. <laughs> he, had really, he had a lot of rooms to choose from. It, like it, it, it kind of just looked like an office or like a little parlor room, right? Yeah, it was definitely not an inviting space. It was weird. He's weird. So yeah, then they get engaged. And Charles is like, okay, cool. Back to London with you. Yeah. Um, back to Earl's Court, home of prostitutes and Australians. It's wild. And then Diana has a night on the town. She does. See, that's like the last time she seemed kind of happy. Good I didn't realize that Australians were bad. Wasn't the guy who taught uh, Birdie not to stutter Australian? Well, yeah, but he was like the exception of the, like the good Australian. Because remember, oh. uh, wasn't Mike Australian? Oh, Mike Parker. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. that's a bad and Australian. And then there was also... There was also that Australian journalist that was like exposing all of uh, like Mike and uh, Philip's shenanigans while oh. while traveling abroad. So you well, think this is personal? Well, I also assume <laughs> yeah. that like English people don't like Australians because weren't they like English prisoners a billion years ago? Uh, that was a billion I, years ago. Yeah, a well, yeah, years but like ago. for the aristocracy, I don't know. That might just be something they still have a grudge about. I love. They Australians. also don't like Irish people. Like <laughs> they don't seem to like a lot of people. Okay, so. The proposal is bad. It's bad, yeah. <laughs> it's not good. Then we get Diana kind of like in her home. We see her flatmates again. They go out. They sing God Save the Queen. It's a happy time. And then Diana goes back to the palace, and Liz shows Diana her box of chocolates, her special box of chocolates. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> Which is just like a box of rings. Diana starts with the ruby. It's from Burma. It has a lot of history. And then she goes back and she's like, no, I want the sapphire one. 
was that was the history of the ruby too much for her like why like no, I, I was confused i think she genuinely just wanted the blue one like in the way that like a yeah. teenager wants a pretty one that just catches their eye so one thing that was unclear to me in the scene, so I, th I think they established that some of the rings all are part of the royal family's collection mm -hmm. and others belong to the jeweler, in which case they'd have to pay for them. That's weird. Like, why wouldn't it just be one or the other, you know? Yeah, like, like just why, only Why put Diana in like, yeah, put Diana in an awkward situation where like you can have one of the free rings or one of the obscenely expensive ones. Which one yeah. do you want? That was there. I think that was a test. That was the the extra Balmoral test, and she <laughs> failed that. Which which Charles Charles makes note of. He's like, "Oh, you like that one because it's the most expensive." Like, no, she said she liked it because it was the color of her eyes, and it reminded her of her mom. Did they say what the price was on that? No, no, it was just they expensive. Did. They said it's the most expensive, the most expensive, the it most expensive. Honestly, looked like a child putting on like a ring pop. Like that was it's how big like it was. It's like obscenely large. Yeah, it looks like a cartoon. <laughs> I can't imagine wearing anything that big on my finger. Yeah, no. So then we learn that uh, the best thing for Diana is to move into the palace. There's a lot of you know, reporters outside, a lot of uh, media attention she's going to get. She really just needs to kind of like come in, get some princess lessons a la Princess Diaries and <laughs> and really just kind of learn what it's going to take. Uh, maybe Liz herself could teach her. And Liz, who knew? She's too much of a softie. She really just didn't want to do it. You can tell. She doesn't want to bond with another person. She wants nothing to do with it. Make Diana's grandmother do it. So this is like the second episode where we've got Diana's grandmother. Is she a recurring character? And what is her role? Like, her where role did she come from? To get her stinking granddaughter into the royal family. <laughs> like, was she a palace staff member already? I'm confused. Was she someone's friend or was that Camilla? That was Camilla. Do you think the apartment that Diana moves into is the apartment that the art curator used to live in? They all look like they have a similar view. I mean, yeah, she can look right up into kind of like the entrance of the of the path, uh, the palace. She knows exactly when Liz is coming and going. Maybe she's next door neighbors with him. Like maybe he's still there. Oh, I thought. <laughs> yeah, maybe. There's just a wing of the palace where they put everyone they hate. <laughs> yep, that's it. And that's Liz. evidently, yeah. So she moves out. She goes to the palace, and she gets there. And this is a familiar scene. Um, when she gets in, there's no one there to greet her. I feel like it's the same thing as when Charles kind of got to the palace last season, but it's just like you get into that huge room, that huge like kind of like foyer space, mm -hmm. and there's just like no one there. It's such such an uninviting yeah. uh, space. Mm -hmm. Then we cut to uh, the royals gossiping about somebody who either has a shell collection or a shoe collection. <laughs> Which, yeah, they really don't appreciate people having hobbies. A shell collection or a shoe collection? A uh, shell collection no where are the shells from <laughs> everywhere that's what where makes are the, the shoes from <laughs> well because that's the thing it's a limited like your shoes are probably going to be like european so like that's a very that's a shorter range of places than shells so i think it'd be take more effort to have a good shell collection than a good shoe collection wait do, are the shells <laughs> like how does the value differ based on where it's they're not, from it's not the value it's the amount of effort you had to put in to get all the shells because if you had to travel a bunch and then transport back these fragile shells. Sometimes it's illegal to take shells. Who's to say you didn't have to travel for the shoes? Well, you don't have to. You pay money and you get shoes. Like, it's really not that hard. Are you saying the shell collection is riskier? Yeah. 
Like you just said, sometimes it's illegal to take the shells. What's to stop? What's to stop you from buying the shells online? Well, they don't have that. It's like 1980. <laughs> you can't do it. I look. I just think it's a lot easier to walk into a bunch of like designer shoe shops, which is what I'm assuming. No, you know what? These guys are stuffy. Maybe it's not designer shoes. What kind of shoes would it be? Clogs. Clogs. <laughs> just a bunch of clogs. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't think these people are very. Uh, we don't get labels flashed in this world. I actually wonder what they wear because now they do. Yeah, huh, I'm curious. Know. It's just 100% British, just except well, it's, <laughs> even like, if it's from another part of the world, it's 100% British. I mean, you know, empire. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I think it anyway. I don't know. Yeah, but they're they're standing around like gossiping and and cracking jokes about this person. Oh, they're like standing around in a circle in like a hallway and it, they just look so awkward. It's like you imagine having to stand listening to someone's story. There's nay a couch in sight. Like honestly, if if this were like a school setting and you just like walked by these people standing in a, in a circle in a hallway telling these ra- lame jokes, you would just like honestly look at them and say like, what the hell are you nerds doing? Stop taking up the hallway space. Yeah, get out of my way. Yeah, but Margaret is the one telling this story, and then mid-story, Diana enters, and the the guy opening the door makes an announcement. He's like, Lady Diana, and Margaret is furious. How well, dare you interrupt my story? How would she have known if the door was closed? I don't know. Like Also, there has to be some kind of protocol for whether you're announcing someone's arrival when a royal is speaking, right? Like, there's no way this is the first time this has happened. That one guy was just out to get her. <laughs> yeah. Although it was weird because obviously in the last episode, we saw Diana really like pass the Balmoral test with flying colors. Almost immediately here, she's failing on like every level. So yeah. how how intense could the Balmoral test really have been? I guess not. She's like I, curtsying to people in the wrong order. Yeah. Is that like just not done at Balmoral? Like they literally throw it out the window. They, uh, yeah, I think they're probably just realizing that like this is getting real. Like it was it was fun to just like have her stop by as a visitor and be like, oh, yeah, she's great. We should, uh, you know, have her be a bigger part of the family. But now that it's actually happening, they're like, "Ugh, we don't like outsiders. And that shot of kind of I mean, the one thing that them standing in a circle did was it made for that really kind of like sh- intimidating shot of her just like rotating around the circle and just looking in- incredibly lost and confused. So, yeah, she's calling people by the wrong name and everybody's like, you know what? Thank goodness your grandmother can come in and princess diary you and teach you all about what it means to be a princess. I guess. No, no. Somebody should be coming in to teach them how to be decent human beings and not <laughs> I mean, you pick know. on this poor girl. You know. Yeah. Maybe. Okay, so then this was fun. We got the interview that we saw at the end of Whatever Love Means, and they said whatever in love means. Yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah, so, so okay, so I want to, like, dedicate, like, 15 minutes to talk about just this. Okay, <laughs> okay. so. Okay. So, our, okay, okay. I'm guessing that this was probably some like semi-famous quote as probably. a result of this interview, right? Yes. And that's probably why they named that movie a slightly modified version of that quote. Yeah. But it's also weird though, because that movie was mostly about Charles and Camilla, not Charles and Diana. Yeah. So, so are we are we then then to interpret that like this is like this is Prince Charles's famous quote about love? 
I guess. But I think Maybe even he... in the context of that movie, like they were obviously, it was a, an interview with him and Diana. Like, I still feel like what Charles feels, like, I feel like it, there's a parallel. I don't know. Maybe he just didn't do any quotes about Camilla. All right. 15, 15 minutes are up. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's interesting now that like you're sort of, this is of an era where there's probably more like primary sources. So they can just pull like real quotes. In real moments, like, you know, every time they're on TV, like, there's actual footage of that. Yeah, but it is weird that this is, like, an actual quote, and Diana is there. All of her friends are watching on the news. Everybody sees this. Honestly, I feel like somebody let Diana down, because if you just saw that on the news, you'd be like, that's weird. That's so strange. no one chastised Charles after that. Yeah. Be like, wow, you totally failed that more than Diana failed her circle yeah. thing. And, and and even weirder is like following the interview, she gets a bunch of fan mail from people who are like, oh, you two seem so in love. It's like, did you not see the interview? Yeah. It's not like he affirmed his love. He's like, yeah, whatever that means. <laughs> I mean, I will. When Diana had like her head on Charles, that was kind of cute. But maybe that's all they saw. Maybe. I don't know. It's just. It's weird. There's. It just doesn't add up. It does not add up. Somebody. Somebody help this woman. But nobody does. She calls her roomies, no. and the roomies are like, oh, that was so cute. Not a red flag at all. They just really want to have a princess friend. That's it. These friends are social climbers. You got you got to wonder, like, did they get good seats at the wedding? Were they I, even invited? <laughs> I'm sure that, didn't they say, no, she did say, like, the only, like, how are you guys personalizing the wedding? Maybe. Is that just something I, like, have in my brain? Yeah, yeah. So, oh. so, yeah, yeah. Somebody asked them, like, so, yeah, like, what can we expect from the wedding? And this is, like, coming off the heels of the uh, engagement. It was, like, they didn't haven't even had time to start planning it. I don't even know if they've picked a date yet. Yeah. So, yeah, she got to invite her, her flatmates. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we got this teased in the last episode, but Charles is about to go on a foreign tour. Is it weird that he didn't invite Diana with her or with him? I think so. But I don't know. No, no. Because like so? if he had invited her, Granny would have had to come along and, and oh. chaperone the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if they would have literally been like if she had known more protocol, she would have been allowed to go because she flubbed that circle so hard. They were like, no. But in the meantime, Charles has uh, told Camilla to spend time with Diana. I'm just like, is Charles just oblivious or is this like malicious? Like what is happening? I don't know. If, I think like in the best interpretation, it would have been him being like, oh, you can fill her in on like what I'm like. So she doesn't feel as lost, but it's not a good move. Yeah. It just feels like incredibly una like unaware, like tone deaf. I don't know what the word is, but like, I don't Why would you do that? <laughs> why would know. you set your fiance up with your ex and be like, she's a great time. <sighs> He's a weird guy. <laughs> It's really not a Charles and Camilla sympathy hour here. They they look pretty bad. She's also like 18. Yeah. Let's just bully this teenager. So lesson time. Grandma is like, this will not be one session, not two sessions. This will be at least 20 hard sessions. Oh my God. Honestly, <laughs> even as like a good student, that sounds horrible. It sounds like a lot. Yeah. Uh, the lessons are divided into three parts. There's history of the royal family. Uh, deportment, which is basically just like manners, and then sink or swim rules. If you get one of these wrong, you're dead. What what are what are the sink and swim rules that aren't part of deportment? That was I I don't know. I mean, uh, that's a don't talk to the press about Charles. <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, and grandma's like, you better be taking notes. You know what I hate at a restaurant? And <laughs> there's so much like food. <laughs> it's so mean when you think yeah. about what Diana's going which, 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 wait, which by the way, she's completely wrong about. Like if you go to like the nicest restaurants, there's no way that waiter is carrying around like a notebook or an iPad. Like they are, they are like top tier waiters. They're going to memorize your order to a T. <laughs> They're not going to give you a handwritten receipt that you can pay at the entrance. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think Granny's been spending a lot of time at Olive Garden. <laughs> I guess so. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, no, that was psychological. I mean, this is all psychological torture, but like that was psychological torture. Yeah, no, for sure. Then we get the Diana fan mail, and it comes in on like a cart. <laughs> like, there's so much fan mail. Have we ever really seen like any of the other royals get fan mail like no, this? No, because I don't think they get it. <laughs> and Diana's reading it all. It's all positive. Like, I don't know that we saw a bad letter in there. I think no. everybody loves her at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because it's like, am I completely charmed by Emma Corrin? Yeah, but like, have they really shown her like doing that sort of Diana thing? I guess with Charles, but like, you know, with like the public? Yeah, I don't know that we've seen her do anything. I think it's just like people have kind of, it seemed more like projections that other people had like it's, put it's onto her. It's because yeah. we don't we don't know about what <laughs> the Diana story that all the other people watching the show know. Yeah, true. Yeah, but her she, and her fans. Big and, yeah, and she's writing back to these people. Yeah, which is cute. That's why she has, maybe that's why she keeps getting so much. Someone here is like, oh, Diana wrote back to so-and-so and so-and-so. I'm going to try writing. See what happens. She's I know. her fans. Like, can you imagine Charles writing back? The only person I can imagine, like, actually, like, getting fan mail and writing back is David. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, And I'm sure those letters would be wild. Um, <laughs> Then we get... I love, like, all the music that we got in this episode was really fun. This is kind of like the first time in The Crown, I feel like, that we've gotten, like, pop music. But she's roller skating around mm-hmm. to Duran Duran. Oh, that was such a good moment, yeah. though. Yeah. That sounds like fun. Yeah, that 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 part in the early in the episode where uh, Edge of Seventeen kicks in, like, it, it, it like, that moment, I think, single-handedly kind of catapults the show into what feels like a more modern era. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so... Diana's going to learn all about the pages of the backstairs. Uh, we've learned about them before. <laughs> have? Uh, I think in one of the movies, we learned about the page of the backstairs. Oh, okay. Did we not? This is why I'm not a, a what, member what of the royal family. Jog our memories. I believe the page of the backstairs is kind of like the traveling page with the royal people. Was this from the Down Abbey movie, actually? I don't know. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> Okay, and so Diana now is feeling pretty isolated. No one uh, is really reaching out to her. Uh, she can't get in touch with Charles, uh, although we'll learn that Charles basically speaks to Camilla still every day. And she tries to get in touch with the queen, but the queen is always busy. And this is kind of where we see her go down to the freezer, eat all the desserts, throw them up. It's just like this is not a healthy environment for her. At all. I don't think it's for, I mean, if you think about it, this is basically someone in isolation, like full isolation. Maybe she can have a couple of phone calls because it's also the 80s. You can't like video chat. Sounds like a bad time. Can she have her friends over? I don't think so. It's weird. Like she can't leave. I, I mean, I guess she could leave, but she'd just be like swamped. Yeah. Her life has completely changed. Yeah. So the eating disorder sort of popping up. Kind of wish we had a little more context for it because mm-hmm. I think there is more context, but it's terrible. <laughs> I yeah, mean, Jesus. And then this all like kind of correspond or correlates with uh, her grandmother telling her like never show your emotions, 
be a stone wall, basically. Don't use your hands when you're talking. Like, never let anyone see what you're feeling, which is also just not really a healthy response. And also, that has never worked for the royals. No. <laughs> Ever. Uh, finally, Diana is going to spend some time with Camilla at the restaurant that only serves starters and desserts. We learn very quickly that Camilla knows way more about Charles than Diana does. Uh, Camilla says, and this is also a weird kind of like passive aggressive thing, that uh, she needs a Fred tutorial. Oh, that was so bad. <laughs> Just putting out the nicknames that you have for each other out into the world with oh, Diana there. It's so, it's so bad. Like the only way, yeah. It's bad. Did we know already that Charles doesn't eat lunch? Yeah, they said that at the very beginning of the season, and like everyone was making fun of him for it, but we didn't know about the eggs. Oh. The it, egg thing. That was weird. So I want to dedicate another 15 minutes just to this. <laughs> um, so like his, uh, apparently like, you know, di- digestion and, and wasted energy are the reasons that he cites for skipping one meal per day. But it sounds like the, it, it's not even, it didn't need to be lunch. But apparently <laughs> breakfast was just, quote, too delicious to pass up. So <laughs> so this guy clearly, like, loves his eggs. And so he has what we can presume to be a very egg-based breakfast. And then for any subsequent meals he has later that day, he's also finding a way to incorporate a soft-boiled egg into it. He sounds so not pleasant, like, to be around. I can't really all. imagine him at any restaurant. Like, imagine being at Olive Garden <laughs> And being like, can you throw a soft-boiled egg on top of my pasta? And then being like, no, we're not going to do that. Oh, like, those, what a weird request. Those royal chefs must be like, oh, this guy. Well, first of all, they definitely don't have fresh eggs at Olive Garden. <laughs> and, 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 and secondly, like, I'm just so baffled by this idea that, like, if you're going to if you're going to like throw one meal out of the rotation, like you pick the one that has the like most limited array of like related food. Cause like breakfast is just so boring and like redundant. Whereas like lunch and dinner are, <laughs> they're just worlds of possibility. Well, see, unfortunately you're going by the intermittent fasting rules here. where like someone in our generation pro- or this era would probably throw away breakfast, but this man, he just wants to go, like, how many hours would that be? Like, maybe let's say 8 a.m. to, like, 6 p.m. without eating and thinks he's going to have a good time. Yeah. Well, I feel like they eat dinner later, right? Because they have drinks or tea or whatever at 6. Oh, yeah. Drink, drinks are at 6, yeah. Yeah, drinks are at 6. So what? dinner must be, what, at 9? If they have dinner at 6.45, Phil will throw a fit. 7.30, 8, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's why he's always in a – that's why he's having a bad time. Because he's not eating lunch. Like, why Why doesn't he at least just have, like, a midday smoothie? Not Charles. Do smoothies exist yet? When yeah, are, I really do. When did smoothies 80s. really, like, hit the scene? I feel like it could probably be an 80s thing, 70s thing. When are blenders around? I'd go 70s. I don't know. Yeah, you gotta wonder. <laughs> when was Jamba Juice founded? Jamba Juice feels like a 90s thing. Someone, Can we look that up? That doesn't have anything to do with the crown. It has nothing. To, yeah, we can look that up. It falls <laughs> outside uh, of the frame. I'm on it. I'm on it. <laughs> okay. Okay. But like also like, so this man basically doesn't eat lunch. He loves eggs. He loves gardens. And like neither Camilla nor Diana think that's an interesting hobby. No. What else did they say? They made he loves so- the color green. Green is his favorite color. So yeah. make sure that when you decorate High Grove, you include a lot of green. Camilla goes through a, a line and is like, are you into fishing? No. Sure, no. Are you into hunting? No. 
And then Camilla's basically just like, yeah, I have to leave now. How will we do the check? They're like, uh, let's go Dutch. I've never heard this before. Ivan, is this a, is this a Dutch thing to do, split the check? Wait, 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 hold on. You've never heard the expression going Dutch before? No, I've never heard this before. Carlin? I think I have. I don't hear it as much as just let's split the check. Yeah, so I don't think it's it's used as frequently, but I think like especially like in the world of dating, like yeah, uh, the expression going Dutch like would imply that you're splitting the check. But I, I think I think it might be more of a Gen X thing. Okay, then that makes sense. As someone who lives in Amsterdam, is going Dutch the prevalent way uh, to pay in a group? Uh, yes and no. Uh, so. I think in a lot of cases, like going Dutch would just like entail splitting the check, perhaps like, you know, right down the middle and not obsessing over who had what and, you know, uh, how much of a bill each individual was responsible for. Uh, the Dutch, on the other hand, are extremely meticulous about this. And mm. like the sort of like uh, Venmo equivalent culture here, because we don't have Venmo, we have other stuff. Um, it, it's big here. Like there are people who will send each other like payment requests for, you know, like half a milk. Like it's <laughs> it's pretty intense. Interesting. No, no, like you, you, you think I'm joking, but I'm not joking. Like their entire, like, you know, Twitter and Instagram accounts dedicated to like, uh, you know, the best of Tiki and it'll be like screenshots of somebody like sending a Tiki request for 80 cents for like, you know, literally like, you know, part of a milk carton. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. That's Amazing. very intense. By the way, Jamba Juice was founded in 1990 in San Luis Obispo. Hey. Very 90s. Well, so when was smoothie? When were smoothies invented then? I don't know that we're going to find that. Find <laughs> that, that? When was well, the concept we're, we're, of a smoothie? We're in, we're in 81 right now, so we're not far off. I feel like it would have had to have been before because Jamba Juice, I don't think, would be the first people to invent a smoothie. They were probably like riding a wave. Oh, my God. <sighs> they it might have been invented in the 20s with Orange Julius. Okay. So it's probably a thing. Wait, is Orange oh, Julius a person? Orange Julius? What yeah. is that? That's like a, it's a chain. Like, so it's a man who named a chain after himself of like juice smoothies. His name is Orange Julius? I don't know. <laughs> no, his name's, his, his name's probably Julius. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Orange Julius guy. <laughs> anyway, so they're probably, you could probably have a smoothie in the 80s. Uh, I do miss Jamba Juice. That That's one thing you can't get here in the Netherlands. Yep. Okay, so after this, Diana uh, throws up again, and then she barges into the younger Adine's office and demands to speak to Charles, but he's unavailable. He's flying home, and at this point, she finds drawings of the Fred and Gladys bracelet that Charles is having made. Why does Adine have this? I mean, because Charles is stupid and thinks <laughs> that's that Diana can't find this stuff. Also, why isn't if Adine is is Charles's private secretary? Why is he here and not like with Charles? I have no idea. Charles I, is- I have a lot of questions. Oh, these men are really not good at hiding affairs. <laughs> Maybe he was with Charles, but then he had to run off to see to it that this bracelet gets made in time. This bracelet, there are drawings from every angle. Um, oh yeah. Did Charles draw this himself? I didn't know that this is a skill that he had. Or I, do you think he, he had someone draw this for him? I think he had someone draw it for him. Okay. But, like, he came up with the idea. Okay, so another question I had, the ballet lessons, is that a part of the princess training or is that just something that Diana likes to do? I think that's something she likes to do. They let her have one hobby. You have one hobby? Um, so yeah, she's practicing ballet by herself and then eventually just kind of like, let's go. She, she's just, just like, kind of like letting all her energy out. 
um, not really doing ballet anymore. This is in a cut with Charles getting off the plane. And before he goes to Buckingham Palace, he goes to Highgrove, where Camilla is. Yep. What a guy. So good as a soon-to-be husband. Can I just say that Highgrove sounds like a Game of Thrones location? It does. It does. Is it not? <laughs> no, that's High Garden. High Garden oh, is what it reminds me of. Although, in fairness, High Garden, or sorry, Highgrove is uh, less of a mouthful than Gloucestershire. That's true. Like, if we had to say Gloucestershire the entire episode, I don't know if I could get through the episode. Yeah, no, no to that. So at this point, Diana seems like, okay, I've seen a lot of red flags. I'm going to end this. I can't do this anymore. And then Charles is like, I just went to High <laughs> to Highgrove to tell Camilla it's over. Here's a ring for you, a signet ring for the Princess of Wales. And it seems like that's all it takes. I mean, I don't think she fully buys it. I think it's just like you try to hold on to any sort of hope. So like the fact that he said one thing right, you're like, I'm going to I'm going to go with this because I really want to be happy. Yeah. She was starved for affirmation by that point. So like anything that he threw at her, I think, was probably well received. Yeah. I mean, it's sad. Like he's so horrible. He's so bad. And it's so interesting that like as this conversation is happening, they keep panning over to Margaret who's just like watching them and being like, oh no. <laughs> I mean, poor Margaret. No one listens to her. And she's probably said this so many times with yeah. so many relationships. Probably, yeah. This is kind of like at the wedding rehearsal. So then they go straight into rehearsing and Charles is basically like, yeah, yeah. He's like, do you take, yeah, yeah. Let's just skip that. Yeah, I do. <laughs> like, oh my God. It's so unbearable. Like at one point somebody says blah, 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 right? <laughs> basically, yeah. It's just so awkward and just uh, so tragic. Mm-hmm. It's bad. But Margaret can't be silent about this. Later on, Margaret is like, you know what? How many times can this family make the same mistake? And the answer is uh, there's the limit does not exist. The limit does not exist, and this will continue to be a problem after you're dead, <laughs> Margaret. Yeah, the, the, the answer is, like, this isn't the last time. Um, but Phil wants to say something as a man. <laughs> as a man. <laughs> as a man. <laughs> Philip wants to say that, you know what, the older and more beautiful that Diana gets, the more Charles will fall in love with her, and this will be final. <laughs> and you know what? That's because she looks like a baby right now. She's about 18, so maybe when she's... When her brain stops developing, oh my god, she'll be old enough to both yeah. have an adult adult relationship. It's it's wow, it's not great. No one really gives a good argument here. No, it's not great at all. Yeah, it's interesting. So basically, this is kind of like Liz in a nutshell. Like literally, everybody is arguing and saying their opinions, and then she just leaves. Like <laughs> <laughs> Queen Mother yeah. is like, this is just how it's always been, and Margaret's like, we need to see them as human beings and then uh, Liz is like everyone's like Queen Elizabeth what do you think and she's just like bye but yeah she goes to Charles and is basically like uh, here's a story of a girl um, <laughs> and which uh, which royal is she talking about I kind of missed this it, it, it doesn't matter the gist of the story is there was a royal that married somebody that she wasn't in love with but over time their commitment to the marriage and the crown and the country uh sparked the mutual admiration that blossomed into love so basically she's trying to say like you know what you may not like this person at all but you're in it together and and out of that you will eventually become affectionate with each other and all this time she still hasn't met with diana 
Like Diana's been trying to get in touch with her an entire episode and Liz has just ignored her. Oh my God. My question, I guess, is can Diana even leave at this point? Like if Diana was like, I can't go through with this. I don't think they let her. What would happen? It's not only the royal family. It's her her family. Her family would disown her. Yeah, yeah. they'd be so mad. And they already gave her room away in the flat. So. Um, Okay. But basically they're, they basically tell Charles like you need to, you, you need to put on your big boy pants. And then he just turns around and he's just like single tear like coming down his face. <laughs> Ugh, he's so pathetic. And then we get this kind of like montage of everybody getting ready for the wedding. We see Charles and Diana are both kind of like, I don't know how this is going to go. And then edge of 17 again. Yep. They always cut away before the actual wedding. We saw this with like Margaret and Tony too. It's probably budgets, right? Probably. But it was a similar thing with Margaret and Tony, like, before they got married. Yeah. I just feel like it's interesting seeing these kind of, like, these things just repeat each other. Classic royal family. So so I, I, I did not look up anything about this, but I did see that apparently the reason uh, Peter Morgan chose not to depict the actual wedding ceremony, I, I assume budget reasons probably were a nice, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, icing on top. But uh, apparently the primary reason he says was like, oh, you can just see the wedding on YouTube. I mean, that's true. They spent all their budget on that CGI elk or the CGI <laughs> stag in the last episode. But no, it, make, it makes sense. Like yeah. if you're going to, you know, spend a bunch of money like creating, you know, uh, scenes from the royal family's history, might as well be the ones that like people can't just see anyway. Yeah. Well, tell that to the creators of Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Well, now we have to supplement this by watching the actual royal wedding. Oh, geez. We certainly do not. <laughs> oh, all right, guys. Okay. Anything we missed here on um, fairy tale, which it was oh, not a fairy tale. I, I like the part where Elizabeth like chastise diana for not knowing geography when liz doesn't know geography either so i think diana fits right in not knowing where burma is but um emma corin deserved that emmy that they didn't get i mean have you ever met an emmy voter they're not necessarily like super bright (laughs) i just i can't imagine not just voting for diana but okay no 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 trust me i can because i know one person who has sort of weaseled their way into the academy and, and gets to vote for everything. And as soon as I found out that this person had voting power, like that's when I lost like all faith <laughs> in, in the integrity of these awards. Oh my God. Yeah. So I'm still mad about that. And it's not like I can ever be vindicated because Emma Corrin's only on one season. Uh, anyway, so I'm you'll just have to be mad. move on with your life. No, not going to do that. <laughs> Should we move on? Ivan, were there any kinky moments or are you are you moving to skip that segment today? Oh my god, there's so many. Well, I think we've eliminated this segment in my mind, but if we must continue, um, I don't know if this was really a moment, but something sounds very kinky about pages of the backstairs. Yeah, I think we said that last time too. Oh my god. I think my favorite kinky moment was the sequence of it's done, I did it, where... In the nursery. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so there was a lot in the Camilla and Diana sequence. My favorite being when they, this was totally intentional. When they were splitting the check, Camilla, like, leans forward and kind of smiles and goes, I'm all for sharing. Mm. 
That was one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. a good one. And then I thought that Charles calling Camilla great fun and the best company. All right, Charles, we know what you mean by that. It's kind of awkward. <laughs> um, I think there's something kind of kinky about Diana being like when they were ordering food and Diana was like kind of like trying to take back the power being like, I'll, I'm I'm happy to go with the flow. I also Once thought again, you're not. <laughs> Also on that note, Camilla saying um, the orange and chocolate creamy creation that stalked her dreams. Yeah, like, <laughs> it was really, that was like the most sexually charged ep, like part of the, probably this whole season. Yeah, to be so honest. far. I mean, there hasn't been much. Diana and Camilla could actually be a better couple than Charles and Camilla, but that's, we don't have to talk about that. And then I would like to nominate one We're anti- We're not going to talk about that. One anti-Kinky Crown Award. Um, I an think, anti-Kinky Crown Award. I think that what, Charles' that, proposal is? deserves an anti-Kinky Crown Award because it was so bad. It like zapped all the sex appeal out of the room. Is that something we're doing now? Like I the think, least? <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> I think it should win. I think it wins. I mean, yes, it would win, but I don't know that it needs to be a recurring thing. Well, honestly, honestly, <laughs> if you're gonna do an awards category for like most sexless moment in a show like The Crown, it would basically just be like 95% of all the scenes. But like I think in the moment where like this could have been really cute, he just he just fumbled. I mean, I think on purpose, to be honest. But yeah, so anyway, um all for sharing is probably my favorite one. I, I vote for all for sharing. Okay, yeah, all for sharing. Uh yeah, I'll, I'll go with that one as well. Sweet. I think it's interesting that we've been three episodes in now and we haven't really had that much like Queen Elizabeth time. Oh, yeah. They're... We've fully moved on from her. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. Sorry, Liz. I mean, that that's what, that's what happens when they when she becomes the villain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Peter um, Morgan has an agenda. Yeah, because the first episode, Charles. Second episode, Thatcher and Diana. And this episode was pretty much all Diana, too. Yeah, I mean, I think they're, they're hitting this storyline very hard out the gate. Um, Personally, I look forward to maybe just dipping our toes into some other parts of this world in the coming weeks. Was it a missed opportunity that they didn't show kind of like Charles also on his royal tour, like the flip side of Diana? I think it would have made him look worse. So if the point is to make Charles look worse, it could have. I I think the reason we didn't see Charles on his tour is that it was probably just stunningly boring. For sure, but we would have seen him kind of like continuing to talk to Camilla every day. I guess it's it, they did commit to staying in Diana's point of view, which I think did yeah. help with the isolation. Yeah, so. it, it feels more like a betrayal when you find out from Camilla herself rather than actually see it. Yeah. Because then we as the audience member kind of sympathize more with Diana. And we've, of course, seen whatever love means. Yes, we so. have. So. <laughs> we know. So we can fill in those gaps. So... That takes us to a close here on Season 4, Episode 3. Uh, next week, we'll be diving into Season 4, Episode 4, entitled Favorites, and ooh, Ask and I Shall Receive. Uh, while Margaret Thatcher struggles with the disappearance of her favorite child, Elizabeth reexamines her relationships with her four children. Oh, nice. <laughs> All four, All huh? four will get uh, some screen time here, it seems. Um, so yeah, very excited for that. In the meantime, Ivan, if people want to talk to you about the crown, where can they do that? At the original San Luis Obispo Jamba Juice. <laughs> All right, Carlin, what about you? Um, Twitter at Carlin Greenwald, Instagram at Carlin underscore G E. All right, and I'm on Twitter at Sir Sam Chung. But the best place to reach us if you have any thoughts or comments about 
the royal family or about the crown is on Twitter at Crown Around Pod. And that's pretty much it. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. And God save the queen. God save, God save the, the queen. queen.